Welcome back to the Hooper's Almanac. It is our second episode of 2022, so thank you for sticking with us. With the All-Star Game just a few weeks away now, Mitch and I are going to break down our All-Star Game starters and tell you why there might be some players that are going to be first-year starters this year. Um, We're also going to bring back our top 10 lists of every position here. We've gone through point guard, shooting guard, and small forward so far, so we're going to break down power forwards next. Um, A little bit um, of a stretch on some of these guys. I feel like the power forward list is a little bit harder to come by in terms of depth, but we're going to do it nonetheless. And then lastly, we're going to wrap up with Cyril and Bruce as always. Thanks for tuning in again if you are right now um, and hope you enjoy the episode. Before we get going, let's bring in our friends from Green Top. are back and recording on January 9th, 2022, our second episode of the new year. Mitchell Sell, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Um, we'll get it out in the open now. Me, I had COVID and I have been restricted to my room for the past 96 hours, it seems like. It's been ridiculous, um, but uh, I've, I'm good. I've not lost my mind yet and we are uh, doing all right. How about you, my man? I'm doing good. I likely had COVID as well. Um, we talked about our New Year's celebration last last week. Um, likely a result of all that is our COVID uh, cases. I actually never tested positive, but had all the symptoms and obviously being around Mr. Mitchell Cell and others who tested positive certainly probably had that, definitely had symptoms. Um, but it was funny, you know, I constantly every day I'm looking at my Twitter to see who's out on NBA COVID protocols, and I just was expecting Mitchell's name to pop up at some point. Mitchell <laughs> Sell out tonight, uh, NBA COVID protocols, and it just never never happened. But, uh, you know, definitely still a valuable case, um, and, and, and glad to hear you're feeling better. Oh, yeah. No, the past the past 24 hours have been fine. It was the Thursday and Friday were the worst of it. But what gave me during that time was it gave me a lot of opportunity to watch a lot of basketball. Got me a lot of – I've watched way too many movies, but it was a lot of basketball in between. Um, and so, you know, what happened during that time was the uh, first voting came out for NBA All-Stars, Aaron, and we had some of our first results come out. And so we thought we would share um, our NBA ball- our All-Star ballots that we're putting out there. Um, and it's kind of shocking. I feel like who who we both have on there. I don't know who Aaron has. Aaron doesn't know who I have uh, on our ballots, but we thought we would share a little bit of what we have going for our ballots. Yeah, the All-Star game is coming up on February 20th, so we're recording this more than a month in advance here I'm sure talks will get heated up and maybe this list will change based on injuries and whatnot I know there are even a few guys right now where I'm like has he played enough games yet just because the COVID protocols that'll surely be a topic of conversation again Uh, maybe we can even mention some snubs as well potentially who are just on the fringe but yeah excited to jump into this discussion here for each of the conferences and who we think is going to be starting um, Mitch, let's start out East. Um, who do you have in your backcourt right now? Who do you think is going to be starting in the backcourt of the Eastern conference in the all-star game? So I, I, I think it'll probably be just the, uh, two bulls guys. I think it should be DeRozan wow. and, uh, Levine. Um, I don't understand why DeRozan is considered a guard. I feel like he's like, they're, he mostly plays like the four for them. I, like when it comes down to crunch time minutes. Um, but I, th- I think it will end up being those two. 
Uh, my voting has is going to be consistently uh, Zach Levine and Darius Garland. I, I love Darius Garland with all my heart, but um, I feel like the two starters will probably be uh, DeRozan and Levine. What about you? I have DeRozan as well. And, you know, I in the intro, you remember that we're going to break down our power forwards later. I believe in one of our previous episodes of breaking down the small forwards with Andrew Carlson, we all classified DeRozan as a three, as a small forward. Right. Um, and I still think he's sort of that considering their lineup with Lonzo sort of playing that point guard role, um, yeah. Levine playing the two and DeRozan the three. But if he's a guard, I think he deserves to be the starter, one of the starters for sure. I mean, he's seventh in league in scoring, um, just insane um, numbers right now, insane efficiency. He's added to this team. They're number one in the East right now. So yeah. I mean, that obviously plays a role. I disagree with you on Levine. Um, I have Trey Young in there. Trey Young's had a great statistical year. Now, the downfall is the Hawks have been really bad. <laughs> right. Um, I mean, but he's just the fact that he's fourth in scoring, you know, top 10 in assists. Um, sorry, top three in assists. I mean, he's just insane. Super efficient. He's sort of gotten back on track after the early season struggles with some of the foul, foul changes and you know, sort of what, what was it called where you pump fake, jump into a defender oh, foul. Yeah. Um, but he, he's clearly adjusted. I think statistically he deserves to be there. Now the case again against him would be the success of the team. So if you're going based off that, I agree. Zach Levine has a good case there. I think Levine's an all-star. I just don't know if he's had statistically as good of a year right now as Trey Young to be a, a starter. Well, that's why I've been voting Garland because yeah. Garland's been leading a Cavs team who no, I didn't think would be winners at all, and they're in the playoffs right now. The, the Hawks are right now playing for a playing game or just barely out of it, that, and they're just dancing on that cusp all the time. And so that's why I've been playing with Garland. I think that's why Levine and DeRozan deserve to be the starting backcourt um, because they are the number one seed in the East right now. They are consistently two of the top scorers when it comes to fourth quarter scoring. Um, which is just beating a dead drum at this point. But it, it's true just how well these guys have played together. And I feel like, you know, they're both – they'll be both fun to watch in an all-star game, especially Zach Levine, as we've seen in, like, his slam dunk uh, contest and even last year whenever he was in uh, the all-star game as well. So I would like to see that as my uh, backcourt. Um, but that's just me. So I don't know. What about you on the front court side of things? Yeah, the front court, um, I feel like here – I mean, two of the slots are pretty much set in stone. I feel like for everybody, Kevin Durant and Giannis, I mean, those right. two guys are locks. The third slot is sort of where we get to tricky waters. I don't mm -hmm. think Embiid is deserving of a starting spot right now based on the Sixers performance and also based on he hasn't played enough games. The issue is, is that I can't really find another good front court player that's played a sizable amount of games that I think is worthy. I think Jason Tatum statistically is up there, but I honestly don't haven't been that impressed by him. And the Celtics have also been not great, which we'll get to later. I'm sure. So I slotted in Jimmy Butler. I just think, you know, when he's played, he's been great. The heat have been really good. They've fallen off a bit just because of injuries to Bam Adebayo as well as him. I mean, he's played, I think Butler's played 23 games so far this year. So even fewer than Embiid. Um, but I just think based on the Heat's potential and their performance so far, it's been better than a lot of the other teams. And Butler's been really good when he's been on the court. So I think this is, you know, this the sketchiest pick for me right now. I think this will probably change as we get closer to the game itself. But I have Butler as the third slot there. 
So I don't disagree with you. Durant and Giannis are the for sure locks. I mean, they're the top two players in the league, right? Hard to miss. Um, when it's um when it comes to the third spot, I still think it's Embiid. I think Embiid is and I think the difference between Embiid and Trey Young when it comes to their teams is that Embiid is a top 10 player in the NBA. I don't think Trey Young is. I think Embiid has a much better impact on both sides of the ball. And I feel like Embiid is just a much better carrier of his team than what Levy, uh, than Trey Young does. I, I get Trey Young um when it comes to passing and scoring, I feel like he does. I mean, he does a great statistical job of that, but I feel like when it comes to leadership, I think Embiid does a great job of even just carrying the Sixers through what has been a crazy tumultuous season with the whole Ben Simmons crap. Um, And so I feel like this has just uh, been a great situation. I think that those three are great. I think Jimmy Butler is a great uh, backup option, uh, but I think it's just those three should be the solidified uh, three. Yeah, and the Sixers are starting to sort of streak now. They've won six in a row and are now fifth in the East. So they definitely jumped back into the conversation before they were out of the playoff picture. I know, I believe we both took their under this year um, and have just sort of had a tumultuous year up and down with the Ben Simmons debacle, as you said, and a variety of other things. But when Embiid's been on the floor, he's been really good, largely. A few aberrations. I know he had that one really bad game against the Celtics that we watched where he missed like his first eight shots or something right. insane. and. Uh, but other than that, he's been actually really consistent um, and obviously recognize the team around him isn't as strong as others. So definitely can't flaunt you for the pick there. I think that fifth spot is kind of the most debatable out of honestly all of these 10 spots, in my opinion. Oh, you're going to I think the guards, which is what we'll get into now, the guard spot in the West is I feel like what has been very debated Um I feel like there's four guys that people are always voting on when it comes to these guard spots in the West side. But Aaron, whenever you're voting, just you personally, who are your votes going towards when it comes to the, the two uh, backcourt spots in the Western conference? Yeah, I got Steph and John Morant. Uh, okay. I think Steph's a lock here. Um, Warriors are arguably the best team in the NBA right now. Uh, first or second in the NBA every other day. It feels like with the Suns changing roles, but He's been fantastic, statistically incredible. Obviously, it's been a record-breaking year for him, so I think he's a lock. And the second spot's been John Morant, just statistically has taken a huge jump this year. I think we all thought, as we discussed in the last podcast, he's been on the cusp, really, for a while as a rising star. But, um, you know, he's really taken the next step, in my opinion, and, and the Grizzlies have been a really good team as well. Um, so I, I, I really like him at that second spot. I mean, when you think about the rest of those people – um, potentially up for it. I mean, I don't think Luca's had a great year and the Mavs have been terrible. He's typically in that conversation the last couple of years. Damian Lillard has also been in the conversation. He's had an awful year and the Blazers have been even worse. Right. Um, you know, you got some other guys like Donovan Mitchell, maybe um, who I thought about there, but I still like John Morant is just the story and the narrative. I feel like behind him has been really good. And if he's ever going to get a starter spot, I feel like this is the year and I think he's worthy. No, I completely agree. I think it's Stefan Ja, and I don't think there should be a debate about it. But, you know, there's everyone who, who's the Luca believer that believes he should be in there. Um, and the votes are going towards Luca right now, which is crazy. But that's the European vote for you right there. Uh, Dame, Damian Lillard is uh, getting votes just because, I mean, he's Dame. And so I get I get that. But like you said, both those guys are on bad teams this year who ha- and they have not performed at, at that good at all. And so um, – I think Ja deserves it. I mean, we talked about it last week, like you said. He is showing to me like spurts of like 2011 Derrick Rose. And this that was like one of my favorite players yeah. like growing up when I was a kid. And Ja Morant has been one of my favorite players whenever I get to watch him to watch this year. Um, he is so much fun. 
uh, just to be able to spe- I mean, just to spectate and just to, I, I can't wait to finally go see a game. Uh, me and my buddy and me and my car are going to try to go see a game sometime in March in Memphis. So uh, whenever I get to see him again in person, because I saw him last year and he was not this, this good last year. And so I'm excited. Uh, and I do agree that those two should be the, uh, the guards for the Western conference. What is the threshold in your opinion of how many games or maybe a percentage of games that a player has to play in order to be qualified as maybe a starter? I feel like this is going to be a conversation with COVID and injuries obviously every year, but I mean, looking at the two guys we kind of discussed, I think you would agree that Donovan Mitchell's maybe third right. in this backcourt starter debate. Um, I would place him a close third right behind jaw, but I mean, jaws played 28 games this year. And Donovan Mitchell's played 36. So, I mean, I think I'd say two thirds. I'd say two, you have to play two thirds of your games. Um, And I, and Jaws cracked that two thirds mark for the Grizzlies. Um, And I, I, if I'm remembering correctly, I think Jimmy Butler has two. So that, and Joel and B would have cracked it for those those two teams as well. So if you're voting for them, great. I'm happy for you. The the fact that Kyrie Irving is in top 10 in voting already after playing Oon game I'm not happy about, but you know, welcome to the year where Kobe Bryant was getting votes and he had not played a single game like in 2015 or 14, whatever year it was. Um, so it is what it is. So I'm, I'm all in for, and also like Dirk and D Wade making an all-star game. Like, so whatever. Um, I'm all for guys making the all-star game. I, I know that while that's the fan vote, you also have the player and the media vote that comes out later. And that's going to be, that also holds a big weight as well. Um, so whenever that vote does come out, I feel like that's when it's going to be truly decided. But um, I think Donovan, like you said, Donovan Mitchell is, has been also very good this year. Very good. And I feel like he and Ja will definitely be battling out for that two spot. I just personally think he goes to Ja. Yeah, and I mean, when you look at them statistically, like they're very, very similar um, across every single category. I think the difference for me is, I mean, right now the Jazz are third in the third in the West, and the Grizzlies are fourth in the West. The Grizzlies are just one and a half games back behind the Jazz. But when you look at the team around Jaw versus the team around Donovan Mitchell, I mean, the Utah Jazz have had that same core for what four or five years have been near the top of the Western conference, almost every one of those years being the number one seed, what two years in a row. Um, Whereas the Grizzlies have been fighting to barely even make the playoffs year in and year out. And they overhauled a lot of their stars on their roster, including Jonas Valanciunas, Dylan Brooks been in and out of the lineup. We heard today that he's out for two to three months again. Um, So that's a huge blow and Jaws going to have to carry more of the weight. So Personally, that's another reason for me why he edges him out, but a, definitely a healthy debate. Um, and I'm glad we're on the same side there. Moving on to the front court out West, uh, Mitch, who do you have in those three spots? Um, so I have LeBron. Um, if anyone's been looking at Twitter recently, I've been shamed and rubbed through the mud. And I understand why, because I was all on Paul George earlier this year. Well, Paul George hasn't been in, so I need everyone to chill out and like relax themselves with him being injured with a lacerated like elbow. I don't remember. I think that's what his injury is. <laughs> um, so LeBron's in there. LeBron's in there. LeBron's also been on a tear lately. So you really can't say anything bad about LeBron James right now. Um, Nikola Jokic is uh, your, your big man. And that's like, it cannot be debated. If you're debating that you're dumb. Um, and then it, it should be Paul George should be the other vote. It should go to, I feel like 
even though I don't know if he's going to make it back and he, he also might be running close to that uh, two thirds game threshold, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but my third vote has been going to Andrew Wiggins. And um, oh, holy I, shit. yeah, <laughs> Andrew Wiggins has been like cracking. And this is a uh, this is a wild, and I don't know why, but Andrew Wiggins is just really just prepped its way into my heart. And you know, oh, wow. congrats, Andrew Wiggins, you've done yourself a solid somehow in some way or form. But Andrew Wiggins has been where I've been voting, even though Paul George deserves it. Oh my god, Andrew Wiggins. I mean, you think Andrew Wiggins is had a more impressive season than Carl Anthony Towns. I guess Devin Booker would be a guard. Right. That's I'm Devin just Booker to think would be of the, the other debatable guys. So Cat was fine, but then I was but see what I do for my voting, I make it seem like it's an actual lineup. All right. That's see, that's my voting. See, I wasn't gonna throw throw Cat and Jokic out there, which I guess that kind of makes those those would probably be the only two bigs you could do that with. I mean, I, I totally get not wanting to put essentially two centers in. Like, I, I, I completely agree with that. I think, like, yeah, as you said, Kat and Jokic to me doesn't make sense. But then back to your point, if you are building it as if you're building, you're a coach wanting to build the best lineup that works together, you think that with those other four players, you'd rather have Andrew Wiggins than Paul George. Well, so let it be known that I've not been voting for Paul George due to the fact that I thought he was going to be out for the All-Star game. Okay. That so, was – if I'm not – if Paul George is back for the All-Star game, it goes to Paul George. So, but could he still be named starter and then replaced and still have, like, he's an All-Star game starter, essentially? Yeah, I guess that's fair. So, yeah. So, I, I didn't realize maybe he'd be still hurt. Um, that's true. I, I have him as my fifth starter here. Okay. I also have Jokic and LeBron. Um, I mean, I, yeah, those are kind of undebatable at this point. Right. No, I think those three are like the most undebatable, like three guys you get to have. Yeah. Like, in, I feel like the West is like very solid, like with who it should be. Of course, John Morant might get beat out, which is going to bother the bejesus out of me. Um, but I also feel like this will be the first year we don't have LeBron and Giannis vote. I mean, being the captains this year, which will be fantastic. Yeah. Um, so you mentioned right. Andrew Wiggins. The next question I was going to ask is, Who's one player from each conference that you're really wanting to see in the all-star game as a reserve that you're going to be upset if they just get snubbed and are right on that edge. Is Andrew so, Wiggins your guy at West? It'll probably be Booker. Um, okay. I feel like Booker getting not the replacement uh, all-star tag like he did last year. I feel like Booker deserves to finally make the all-star team um, with no doubts about it. Um and that I feel like should be undebated. Uh, Booker deserves to be in it this year. Uh, for the East, it's Darius Garland. That's why I've been voting him. I I have enjoyed watching this Cavs team, and it's because of Darius Garland, honestly. Um, I'm not throwing any of my guys in there because I don't want to talk about them yet, so we'll get to them whenever I go on my Celtics rant here in a minute. But um, I feel like Darius Garland deserves to be um, just mentioned, let alone in the All-Star game. So if he doesn't make it, I'll be uh, not happy because there's not also – I'm looking at the guards list for the East, and it's not like there are that many great, better guys ahead of them. Sorry, yeah. the, the guys who are ahead of them are a lot better, but there's not many better guys uh, that are behind them. Right. Yeah, I mean, there there are quite a few guys on his level, I feel like, that are up for debate, uh, such as a Tyler Harrow, a Fred Van Vliet, possibly. 
um, falling within that fringe range. Um, right. Knowing Evan Sell is a big credit to <laughs> fleet guy. I d- just had to mention him. Personally, for me, uh, Drew Holiday is one guy. Who I just think he's one of the most valuable players in the NBA mm-hmm. and statistically may not put up the numbers that others do, but feel like he deserves recognition, one, for maybe being the best defender in the NBA, and two, he's also up to scoring a lot this year and mm-hmm. has been really valuable for them when Chris was out for a long time and Giannis has missed some games with COVID here and there and injuries, um, he's really stepped up his scoring. So I would be very sad to see him not make the all-star team. And out West, it's SGA, Shea Gilgis-Alexander for me. I think he's very deserving. Thunder, obviously one of the worst teams in basketball, but SGA has been awesome. Hit a couple big-time shots, game winners. Um, I think he's going to have a really bright future. We've been over this before, but I think he deserves a spot. I agree. Uh, the The issue with SGA and like teams like that are they're, they're just not good in any sort of way. But he's yeah. been the only bright spot, like you said. Dort has his moments, and Josh Giddy being the being the first, the youngest guy to get a triple double. Uh, that's a good core to build around. But honestly, the everything around it is below a seventy overall. So um, <laughs> screw you, two K, for trying to deceive everyone about that. <laughs> Derek Favors is a 64 overall. And I don't, I think that just should not be debated in every way possible. Yeah, he's uh Oh my gosh. He should have been a 64 like years ago. I think he was an 80 as of 2k 20. And it was yeah, no, just I tremendous. Though, yeah. The 2k, uh, I guess it would have been 2k 17. We were playing in college was when he was killing you and he had to have been like an 82 overall when he was a down low duo with Gobert or Ennis Cantor the worst structure of a lineup because you couldn't get around plant not playing you could not play him because their backup four was like trey lyles who was like a 69 overall and right. it's like well you got to play favors or else you go small and with that team eh, i don't really want to go small at least at that point joe ingles was kind of still lowly rated as well as bogdanovich right. so um yeah that was uh, tough tough days in the, in the hatch hall dormitory uh playing with Derek favors but um you know, I, Mitch, I know you wanted to talk about your Celtics. Um, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, are these guys getting into the All-Star game? They should. If Jalen okay. Brown – the worst part about it was that Jalen Brown wasn't even in the top ten like voted at all, and that bothered the bejesus out of me. Um, Jason Tatum will make it just because everyone loves Jason Tatum, and he gets the, he is the more of the stardom of the two. Um, Jalen Brown, um, if you finally – if anyone watched last night's game on January 8th, he finally got his first triple-double wild stuff had a career high and assist love it um this is my celtics rant now and so if everyone wants to turn off for the next 10 minutes i completely understand um the boston celtics are in one of the my least favorite times as a celtics fan i have not had many of these moments because i've had really bad years in the early 2010s and that's fine um do i think jalen and jason should still be together yeah I don't understand who people who say that are stupid. There was a millisecond, a millisecond where I thought, Hey, maybe we should trade Jalen. And then Evan really quickly snapped me back to reality. And he's like, what are you talking about? Um, their issue is um, their guard. They have no point guard. They have zero point guard. Um, Marcus Smart is a great person on to have on a championship team. I think he's a great guy to have if he's coming off the bench and is your sixth man and nothing else. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is also a great guy to have come off your bench, be your sixth man. We can't have both of them on the floor at the same time. And because they are both uh, the definition of yes, yes, no guys or no, no, yes, guys like, Oh, they're going to shoot a three from 30 feet out. No, please don't do that. Um, This team is also the team. So people want to talk about Jalen and Jason's uh, bad playmaking. 
they also are representatives of two. Um, they're probably like one of the two lowest field goal percentages of passes made off, of, like shots made off their passes. Um, Grant Williams and Dennis Schroeder and Marcus Smart being the guys who are the main recipients of those passes are the worst thing ever. Um, and and that, that's why they have such a low percentage. That's why one of the worst three-point shooting teams. This team, I have not – I told Aaron about it last night. I not. I spent way too many hours over the past 24 hours trying to find trade ideas for the Celtics, um, tried to find ways to get Malcolm Brogdon, which is impossible until the offseason. hate that. But um, C.J. McCollum has come across the board. Maybe. Um, this team is lacking a playmaking point guard, and I wish Darius Carlin was available because he's not. But he's. But I would love to have him. Mike Conley would be maybe even a good get, but there's no way the Jazz give him up. Um, I just believe this team is in a place where they could trade Dennis Schroeder or an Al Horford package them together and get an actual good guard out of it to maybe to a team that needs to blow it up. Um, and that's where I believe the Celtics are. They are in a good spot as a young team who is continuing to grow because I do not believe that Tatum or Brown should be traded. If you believe that you're dumb. And so that that's my only take on it. I also was never a big fan of the back, the two big uh, duo with uh, Rob and Al Horford. I believe that they um, don't mix. I also don't believe that you should put Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder on the floor together because they didn't do that at all last night. And we beat the freaking Knicks by like 18. So I was happy about that. Finally, we did that which we should have done it the first time this week, but we didn't, but whatever, I'll live. My point is this. I have been a very, I'm a very pessimistic Celtics fan. If anyone who knows me knows I'm a very pessimistic Celtics fan because I'm always down on this team. I'm a very optimistic person in real life, but this team brings me so much negativity. It hurts my mental health. And so I am of the belief that this team needs to make trades and it needs to be trading, not Marcus Smart, not Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum, Noah Rob Williams. Those are the four guys who I feel like you cannot touch. Al Horford and Dennis Schroeder, bye-bye. Anyone else, bye-bye, and that's okay. Um, so, yeah, that's where I'm at on the Celtics. If they can be higher than a seven seed, that would be great, but I know that's not likely. Um, but Jalen and Jason, don't trade them. I feel like they are better playmakers than Kendrick Perkins. And also, I don't think I hate one a Celtic more than Kendrick Perkins right now. Marcus Morris, a former Celtics, I should say that. The bottom four of former Celtics that I hate, Marcus Morris, Semi Ojale, Brad Wanamaker, Kendrick Perkins. That's the bottom four of Celtics hatred for Mitchell South. So yeah, there's my Celtics rant for you. Counter-argument. You said on. one of the issues with the Celtics now is the point guard position. Yes. Why was their problem not solved with Kyrie Irving when they had Kyrie Irving, Jalen Brown, and Jason Tatum? Kyrie Irving is not a uh, leader. He is not a 1A guy. But he's I, like one, uh, maybe a top three point guard in the NBA. So that is point up guard. for the point straight guard. Up, straight up point guard, not guard. Like just in, in today's current NBA. Yeah, we're talking Doncic. We're talking Kyrie Irving. I think Kyrie Irving's better than James Harden at this point. Uh, there is a thing called uh, chemistry that that team did not have. And here's my thought. Kyrie Irving is a great secondary tertiary player. He cannot be the leader of any team. Tell me a team he's led that has done well. Hasn't. And so that being said, he also has only had very few chances to do it, but he also, whenever he was a leader, uh, ruined the chemistry of any team he played on because he brought so much turmoil to his two actual years with the Celtics. And that kind of ruined us. Um, and so the year we 
had Jason Tatum as a rookie. Jalen Brown is a second year guy. Al Horford was a veteran. Terry Rozier was going off on people in on a team that was depleted. We were better. And I had more faith in that team because they, they, I didn't think that uh, Kyrie Irving was going to dribble the ball for 20 seconds and then try to hack up a shot. Do you think that some of this falls on the shoulders of the head coach? First, first year head coach who's probably trying to navigate these waters and seems like he's a little bit more of a player's coach and possibly more lenient and unwilling to confront those debates in the locker room between maybe the camps of who thinks Jalen should be the number one guy, Jason should be the number one guy, just how to navigate all that. Honestly, I don't think they need to determine who's the number one guy. Like right. I think both guys are equally talented and I think they can coexist together. But do you think some of this blame lies with Ime Adoka. So little because there's, because you come into a situation knowing that, that there's already chemistry issues. There have been chemistry issues since 2017, since Kyrie joined the team. Honestly, that's just how it's been. Um, since we've had guys like Marcus Morris, who was starting fights in the locker room. I mean, back in 2017, 2018, uh, when you have guys who, when you're, Verbal leader is Marcus Smart, who isn't a top two player on your team. That just is never good. So my point is this. Yeah, so the it's not just his fault. I think it's a leadership fault just when it comes to the players. Because Jason Tatum is in his fifth year, now, fourth year now. Tate Brown's in his fifth year. There comes a point when, you know, you kind of get into your leadership mode. Yes, that these are two guys who were leader. I mean, Jason Tatum has been a leader on any team he's played on since elementary school. Brown, I'm not sure. I just have a lot more knowledge about Tatum. But the point is I never have known Tatum to be a verbal guy. I've never known – I've only known him to try to be a leader on the court and do lead by actions. And so that's where the difference is in the NBA. Lead by, lead by example, and even still he's a – he has had moments where I want to shove him off a basketball court because of how many times he wants to complain to refs. So I need him to not do that and be a leader to this Celtics team, even though it's his fourth year. And so I know that's asking a lot of a guy who's 23 years old and to lead 30 year old men. But if you, if the Celtics team is going to be good, they're only going to go as far as Brown and Tatum's leadership. And also Tatum shooting the same gosh, dang step back three point jumper that's just always contested and never feels like it's going in unless he's already had like 35 and it's just unconscious that night, which sometimes happens. Right. But it's like the lowest percentage shot. Like you have a great player with you. Why do you need to take that shot? And like, it's one thing if nobody else is doing anything and you're in crunch time and you just need to get a bucket um, and you think you're the best shot, but it's like, he does that five, five times a game at least. No, I completely agree. And so when I talked about like the shooting percentages earlier between like the, the them having like the lowest percentages when it comes like the field goals off their passes, it's because when Jalen Brown's driving, he's not having the opportunity to kick out Jason Tatum because everyone's like playing deny on him. It's the same thing both ways. So that's why they're having to rely guys on Marcus Smart and Dennis Schroeder to take those shots. That's what the difference was with Kemba Walker. Kemba Walker, like early on, whenever he was with the Celtics, they were fun to watch because I could always count on Kemba to Walker to hit that shot. It wasn't until he got hurt that Kemba Walker kind of like changed. And that's when he started like losing his knees and like started getting picked on on defense. It's because I could trust Kemba Walker to be that playmaking guy on offense. And he didn't, I didn't have to wait on him to do it every other five nights. Yeah. So that's, that's the difference. And, and Kyrie Irving, don't get me wrong. I think he's an incredible, talented player. I think he 
is uh, lacks leadership ability as well. And that's why that Celtics team never was good either. They, he has never, he hasn't been a one a guy on any of his teams. That's why I think it's the perfect situation for him in Brooklyn. Is he doesn't have to rely. He hasn't the one that they have to rely on down the stretch. It's going to be Durant. Um, that's why he was the perfect situation in Cleveland. Cause he didn't get the bulk of the attention that was always going to LeBron. And so I think he's always been in the right situation. He thought he could do it by himself or lead a team in Boston when he had Gordon Hayward alongside him, but he couldn't. And so it just is what it is. Um, but yeah, the, the Celtics issue is they need a guard and they need it badly. Don't forget the vocal leadership of Grant Williams, the vice president of the NBA Players Association, always really motivating the team and rallying the troops off the bench, always playing a great five minutes a game. Um, really appreciate Grant Williams and what he brings to that team. I, I, I know you do too as well. Um, that's going to be enough Celtics chatter for now. We're, we're going to get to this throughout the year, Mitch. Um, and I know you're frustrated that they're 10th in the East, considering how talented they are. I mean, the Raptors, for God's sake, a team that basically has nobody is seventh in the Eastern Conference. Um, the Cleveland Cavaliers, a team that was 27 and a half wins projected over under is way ahead right. of the Celtics. Uh, you know, hopefully they can write the ship, but it's, it's looking bleak right now. We're going to take a quick break and come back with our top 10 power forwards. All right, top 10 power forwards. We're going to keep the train rolling here. We've done point guards, shooting guards, and small forwards previously. The second to last position we're going to go in. As I said earlier, it's slim pickings here a little bit toward the bottom of this. And honestly, once you get outside of the top 10, there's not many other oh. candidates. I know in the past for other positions, we've had quite a few honorable mentions and some heated debates. There will certainly be some debate here upon the order, possibly, of these guys. But this largely, I think, is going to be somewhat the same composition of these 10 guys, Mitch. Um, just to get going here, who's your number 10 power forward in the NBA as it stands right now? Pascal Siakam. Um, wow. Number 10. 20 points a game, it's hard to beat that out. 20 points a game, eight rebounds and four assists. I mean, I'm, I don't know if you're saying wow because you have him lower on your list or he didn't even make your list. He, Did, didn't, is he, make, he didn't even make my list. Aaron, come on. <laughs> I. It starts with Fred Van Vliet on a previous podcast <laughs> and it the continues Ra with the Toronto Raptors hate with Pascal Siakam. I, I hate Pascal Siakam as, the as much as the next man because I think he only has one move and I've talked about it many times, yeah. but I, it doesn't change the fact that he is the second highest scorer on this team, a team that doesn't deserve at all where it is being in the standings right now, but yet here we are. So it's, it just shows the great coaching job of Nick Nurse once again. Candidly didn't realize he's played 23 games already. I thought he's been out for like three fourths of the season and just started playing. So <laughs> I've completely blurred out the Toronto Raptors out of my purview. And yeah, they are outside of my, my jurisdiction as far as I'm concerned, but based on those numbers and yeah, the Raptors are surging and Nick nurse has put together an impressive season based on that rosters composition. So yeah. All right. Number 10, I don't flaunt it. I have Evan Mobley, the rookie for mm. Cleveland um really wanted to put him higher but just felt like as a rookie um in his stats don't quite add up just the numbers exactly but I feel like his impact has been definitely um very valuable for them um I mean he's got possibly the biggest upside of anybody on this list outside of maybe the top two guys right he has huge defensive potential as a shot blocker um he's also really proven himself as 
just early on being able to get minutes and start right away, despite being on a team that has like five or six centers and power forwards has been really impressive to me too. Um, he's got really nice offensive touch. I feel like he's got a very interesting build. I mean, he's very skinny and it's one of those situations where he's so athletic, where do you want him to keep that build versus do you want him to gain muscle and maybe be able to bang a little bit in the post? Um, I personally am fine with the way he's constructed right now and feel like it provides him some versatility and fluidity, but um, I have him at number 10. I like that pick. Whatever it, I, I like that he's on your list. I know we haven't had, if I'm remembering correctly, we haven't had a rookie on our, any of the lists, right? Um, I would have to think back, but I think you might be right. I don't think so. And so this is the first one, and I think he's the right one, especially with, like we said earlier, the depth of the power forward position yeah. um, being as lacking as it is. Um, I feel like he is a good in a good spot, especially just especially where he is in Cleveland. I mean, it gives him the opportunity to grow to get better. Plus, he's with a number of younger guys uh, on that team. Of course, he's got leader. He's got veterans like Kevin Love behind him. But still, I feel like he's in the perfect situation uh, right now. So it gives him the opportunity just to get better. Uh, so you have Mobley at ten. Who's at number nine? I got John Collins um, out of Atlanta. Mm-hmm. I think he's had a pretty decent season. I mean, the Hawks have been really bad, but statistically he's been fine um he's really kind of reliant on trey young with the pick and roll i mean he's just a super athlete and can high fly but he's also a pretty decent shooter and has an okay post-up game um decent mid-range fadeaway game as well i think he's got great potential um still a little bit raw but um for that team you know he's a critical piece obviously got that big extension in the offseason so they're sold Mm -hmm. on him as well i think he's going to only grow uh so i got him at number nine I don't hate it. I have him a little lower on my list. Uh, I like him a lot. I mean, he's a 50, 40, 80 guy um, right now, which is crazy. Um, And so I like him a lot and I don't disagree with you. Uh, My number nine, I talked about him earlier this year. I love him a lot for some odd reason. It's Kyle Kuzma. Wow. Kyle Kuzma cracking. uh, He has been one of the better defenders for the, uh, the wizards. Uh, He's the second highest scorer on their team. He's one of the better rebounders on that team. Uh, he has been proven to be one of the better two-way players on that team, uh, which is a team full of two-way players. Um, And so I like what he's done for this team. I called it. I told one of the very few things I have called this year was Kyle Kuzma's resurgence as like being a decent player. (laughs) Um, And so, right. And so I feel like he has proven to people that he isn't just wasn't a fluke that rookie year. Um, Of course, he's taken a few steps back because he's not the number one guy like he was that rookie year. Uh, but I feel like this has just been a great time for opportunity for him to like, like Mobley just to get better. And also just to show what he can do, uh, be a great, uh, service to the wizards. Um, but yeah, I, I have him at number, my number nine. Two players so far that I have off my list that you have <laughs> on your list. I thought this was going to be like chalk. Like we all have the same guys. Um, I mean, Kyle Kuzma has been really impressive. Uh, personally, the numbers aren't there for me. Oh, yeah. um, based on some of these other guys, but I, I, I agree. He's had a really impressive season. Everybody was down on it. I'm including myself going into this year. So he, I think he's deserving of a top 10 spot as well. Um, Perfect. Who do you have at eight? Eight. I have uh, John Collins. I have John right. Collins here. Uh, like you, like I said earlier, 50, 40, 80 guy. That's pretty impressive. Of course, like you said, it is reliant on how good Trey Young is for him. And he's on a crappy Hawks team. Um, I do like 
if, if we can get this guy in a dunk contest, honestly, that would be beautiful. That would be awesome just to see that. Because he, there are about four guys in the NBA that I could think off the top of my head that belo- that look like they belong like in the 70s and 80s. And he's one of them. Him, Spencer Dinwiddie, Jarrett Allen are like the three other guys. Um, even some Taylor Horton Tucker every now and then just look like they belong like in the 80s um, and just playing with trash men. And so I feel like he, if you can, but I feel like if you can get him in the dunk contest, it would be a lot of fun. Um, but I mean, I don't need to go. I mean, he's a solid defender, nothing like crazy, but he, he is definitely a great offensive piece and a very athletic and energizing piece for this Hawks team. Yep. I, I like it. And I agree with the eighties comments. I think I'd throw in Deandre Ayton possibly as a guy who fits back. Oh, yeah. I feel like even when he was at Arizona was just running, like he was like a hundred years old. Just looked like Robert Parrish. looked like yeah. a Robert Parrish runner. Yep. Very much Robert Parrish vibes. Um, but yeah, I mean, definitely, definitely uh, in a different era should have been born 40 years ago, but very good. And will continue to be good in the coming years. I have Al Horford at number eight, the oldest guy in my top 10. What are um, you doing? What are you doing to yourself? <laughs> so, Yes, he's averaging 11.1 points per game. But his impact on the Celtics, Mitch, I I think you understand this, is very, very important. I mean, imagine where they would be without him right now. I'm thinking about it. (laughs) The way he moves, the way he moves the ball, he knows exactly how to work with those pieces. He's a great rebounder, veteran, savvy player. Um, Obviously, his offensive scoring potential has gone way down since his old days in Atlanta when he was an all-star but he can still shoot a mid-range jumper, crafty around the rim at times. But I just really like his passing and rebounding um, and think he means a lot to this team. I think he means more to his team than other power forwards in this list, and he's the reason why he made the list for me. So I got it number eight. When you texted me earlier, I thought you were joking. I thought, <laughs> what is this man talking about? I was not um, sure what the heck you were doing putting Al Horford anywhere near your list. It was wild um so i think you're right you know he is a he is very important to this team do i want him on the celtics anymore no i'm, I'm done with him because he has he hasn't had the shot that i i would love him to have he was hot early on but it, it's it's gone very cold uh defensively he doesn't move as quick as he used to that's kind of hurting us uh, but i still think he is very strong like you said he can still rebound well um and he still gets he, he still knows where to put the ball whenever it's uh wherever it needs to be um I don't like that he's on your top 10. I'm just <laughs> super, super confused how Pascal Siakam was looked over besides this man. Wild to me. I don't think I, I don't think we've had a fifth best guy in, on a team make the top 10, and which is wild to me that he made yours. I forgot about Pascal Siakam. I'm going to admit it. Um, don't tell me. Okay. You texted me about this man. Who is your number seven? <laughs> Is Aaron Gordon. Why is he on your top 10? <laughs> Aaron Gordon is a top 10 power forward in the NBA, Mitch. I, I hate that that is number seven. What on earth? Did you have him at 11? I had him nowhere. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even have him as an honorable mention. Didn't have him a touch near the, oh, near the top 10. Well, you clearly haven't been watching Nuggets basketball because... Nikola Jokic obviously is keeping this team afloat single-handedly in every way possible, but two of his five fingers on that hand that is keeping the nuggets afloat are Aaron Gordon. Like two? I would have said just one. I thought maybe the pinky and maybe Will Barton no, no, might be the thumb. No, 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 he, he deserves the pinky and the index finger. 
he is a ring finger rather. That, that'd be weird to have like way way different parts of the hand. But I feel like you anyways, a lot of different. I feel like you gave him the most important <laughs> finger too. I feel like yeah, I don't know what you're doing with that. <laughs> but he's just been so he's been really good. I haven't I haven't he hasn't been what I thought he would be for them when we first traded for him and then re-signed him. But that was also in the context of Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. being healthy. And now that they haven't been healthy, he's really stepped up. He's taken more of a scoring role. He's also probably the best defender on this list outside of Giannis. He can guard every, and and maybe Draymond Green, obviously. Um, So Draymond Green, Giannis, I think Aaron Gordon's number three. He can guard every single position on the floor. He's a 6'8 power forward who has the same rebounding rate as other top rebounding power forwards and centers. He just doesn't get the amount of opportunities because he's playing on the wing a lot and is so versatile. Um, he's improved his shooting ability, great passer. He knows exactly how to work with Jokic, great cutter, just does all the little things you want right. I think if he were you know, on a bad team like the Raptors, he'd be putting up the same numbers Pascal Siakam is, the same exact numbers. But he's playing with Nikola Jokic. So obviously Nikola Jokic is getting every single stat you can imagine. But I think Aaron Gordon's really valuable to this team. And if, God, if Jokic didn't have Murray, MPJ, and Gordon, the Nuggets would probably be out of the playoff picture right now, despite how Jokic is playing. And he's, he's been that important. So I think he's worthy of a top 10. And I think he's worthy of being seventh in the NBA in power forwards. I try not to lose my mind over what I'm about to say. Aaron Gordon <laughs> didn't belong in the top 10 when he was on the stinking Orlando Magic. I don't know if he deserves it now. Oh, my Lord. Okay, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. It's fine. Uh, my number seven I is... Just F- continue, I just continue to cause controversy with these picks across positions. Well, we both are very different when it's. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to these picks. We both had John Collins so far, and now I'm adding Evan Mobley at number seven. Whoa, I have seven. Seven, because he's the he is also a better defender than Aaron Gordon. He is he is he has the ability to defend every position in the NBA. He is oh he moves so well. He has been one of my favorite players. Well, him and Darius Garland have been two of my favorite players to watch this year that aren't on the Celtics. Um, I I wish in every part of me I wish my brother was happy with the Thunder having Evan Mobley, but they don't they don't. And so uh, I like what he does. I feel like he's a great. Uh, talent and he's he's a once in generation talent um and he's got like you said earlier one of the highest upsides outside of like the top two guys we'll have on our list um and he's proving that i mean we talk i mean there's there's always the conversation of you always can get a great guard in every draft but to get a a a generation like big man who people have compared so far to kevin garnett i feel like that is incredible so i feel like he he has been great this year he's shown that um, the only, th- only, only thing this guy needs to get better at is just shooting with range. That is the only thing I think about this guy needing to get better at right now. So I have him at seven and that's just my whole thing. All right. Fair enough. I mean, he deserves to be on the list. Um, all right. So we've had some surprises, uh, in these first four slots, but I think these last six, I think these last six will be the same people. I'd like people to think are- so. The order will probably change, but we'll see if Mitch surprises us or I surprise us. Uh, my number six is Tobias Harris. Same. Uh, I mean, second scorer to help support Embiid has shown flashes of stardom at times and crazy scoring ability. <laughs> I saw your stardom. 
I want you to understand that I made the most ugly face stardom. What is happening? Aaron's using the word star for guys like Aaron Gordon and Tobias Harris out here. Like it's being passed around like a lollipop. I mean, what is happening? I mean, what on earth is this madness? All right. When you when you drop 37 points in a playoff game, you deserve to be a fringe fringe star. He is a fringe star. He's paid like one. That was Terrence f- Mann, Aaron. I don't know what you want from me. Right. <laughs> That's fair. That's okay. fair. Uh, also, Andre Miller once dropped like 30-something in a playoff game. People so, forget that. Uh, we're not going to go down to that. Uh, delve into the logic of that philosophy. Um, no, I'm not. <laughs> anyways, he's been a very valuable scorer for them. He's a second option, albeit sometimes inconsistent. And the only issue with me for me is that this, there are some teams in the NBA where you can really have two valuable stars and you can have a chance to compete for a championship. You only need two. There's mm-hmm. been this idea that you need a big three. There's always right. we gotta talk about big threes in the NBA. It's sort of created back in the day, um, obviously, with the, the, the Heat were the main big three that we've talked about. Obviously, if you go back further, there are. Right. You know, three valuable players in the same team, but in terms of the marketing of it, that's where it really started. This team is not good enough to just have two. Tobias yeah. Harris has proven to be a pretty good scorer, as I said, on the fringe of stardom, <laughs> but they need a third piece. And is that Ben Simmons? I don't think so, but they need a third piece. And he's not that good to be, you know, good enough to just be that second star with Embiid. So he's number six for me. That was a roundabout way of saying he's not good enough to be top five but he's still very good i i want you to know that we both have him at number six for good reasons because i think he's <laughs> he is a good player not a star also when you talk about big three if he's going to be on a part of a big three he's going to be the third best player of that big three so i don't know what, if, if they're going to get a big three they need someone to fit between i mean better than Embiid, which is very impossible right now unless it's the top four guys or someone who's going to be between him and I mean between Harris and Embiid. Otherwise, your team's not going to be good, and it shouldn't be considered a big three if you're going to count a guy. Um, I agree. Tobias Harris is, has had moments where you're like, "Holy crap, this guy's great!" Should be so. I mean, he should be considered a star. Sure, I'll say it. Whatever. Not the point, though. My point still being that he has had moments where he's looked inconsistent. Like there are playoff games where I'm like, "Where have you gone?" And like, "Are you here?" It's like but no one cares about it because he's not Joel Embiid and people want to overlook that a little bit. Um, I do. I think he was very valuable when he was with the Clippers. I've liked when the, I think he has one of the worst contracts in the NBA on the Sixers right now, but still he has shown that he is deserving of being in the top 10 power forward. Definitely don't, doesn't crack better than any of the top five guys by any means, but that's my, that's my sixth as well. Fringe star Tobias Harris, number six. Um, who's your number five, Mitch? Julius Randle. Uh, I have Julius Randle at, at number five. He's the only shining light on the New York Knickerbockers. And um, I feel like he has just – he has played the most minutes over the past two seasons. And it's very clear because last night against the Celtics, he looked the most exhausted I've ever seen a human being. Um, he has the ability just to be so good and also just – I never, I would never have bet this whenever he was playing as the sixth man on the Pelicans. But since joining the Knicks, he had moments last year where everyone was calling him a power forward version of Magic Johnson, which I never understood, but whatever. Um, but there was, he has showed great range as a shooter. 
he he has the ugly step back shot that Jason Tatum has too, but that is just a little bit more consistent. Um, he's a great playmaker. He is a, a very B defender, but he is probably the worst defender of the top five guys. Uh, but he has moments where he just looks like he can take over a game. And, and he is, he has the ability to be a one B player on a, on a championship team, not a one a, uh, so they, the Knicks need a better player to win a championship, but he is a very good start to what a championship caliber team could be in New York. And he is the great, he's done a great job leading the Knicks. Yep. I agree. Um, had a fringe MVP campaign last year. I think some people were lobbying for him. Um, they're played, you know, very well throughout the season, terribly in the playoffs. Um, I think he's had a bit of a down season as well compared to his stats last year. Right. But he still has tons of potential. I agree. I don't think he could be the number one guy on a really good team. Um, I just have some questions about his skill set offensively. I feel like he's still very reliant on making contested two-point jumpers, um, fadeaway mid-range jumpers, and then also getting to the line. Now, getting to the line is really valuable and transfers to playoff scenarios, but it's not a given thing that you can do. Um, and he can't really create for himself as much as other people on this list. Um, I think he's really needing a second scorer, which they went out and got Evan Fournier, right. And Kemba Walker, but I don't think they've panned out, um, like they thought they would. So I think he still has some room to grow here and is going to need some help in New York. But as you said, he's been a shining light for them and it, you know, for the, for the price that they got him at the time, absolute steal. I mean, he's grown so much since his days in LA and new Orleans. Absolutely. Yeah. I totally agree with you. Um, when I look at how the number four spot, I have DeMontis Sabonis. Um, these are the two guys that I, those are the two guys I was battling for, um, on uh, when it comes to the four or five. Uh, however, I have him at number four cause he is a massive triple double threat. Um, every night I can always count on, I, you can always count on and be looking like to get triple double, uh, he is. He and Malcolm Brogdon are a great pair to have in Indiana. Unfortunately, they're probably going to get uh, torn up um, or in, put in different spaces probably in the next like few months. Um, but I think he is such a great talent. He's better than his dad was. Um, I also think that uh, you know he is a B defender as well as Randall. However, I think he is a better playmaker than Randall is. Their only difference is that Demontis Sabonis can't shoot a three to save his life which is very unfortunate, and that is very, very sad. But I like DeMontis Sabonis a lot, and I like him a lot because he's a keeper on my fantasy team, and I wish he, and I wish him the best of luck for the rest of the year. So be healthy and don't get hurt. I like DeMontis Sabonis as well, but I like him a little bit more than you, so he's not my number four. Draymond Green is my number four. Just because offensively the drop-off is so Fair. clear from him to Sabonis, I mean, it just depends on if you are valuing that a bit more i mean Draymond green in every other at you know aspect of the game other than rebounding and scoring he's better than sabonis right um as well as the intangibles he brings i mean which you can't really measure but i feel like has more of those than maybe anybody on this list he's at least more reliant on them than anybody on this list um mm-hmm. i mean looking in his stats he's averaging a near triple double with none being in the double digit category <laughs> no no <laughs> and it's it's wild to me but he's just doing every, I mean, he's doing everything except for really scoring. Um, but it's been a testament that he's this high in the list for me and for you as well, even higher, um, just a testament to everything else he's been doing well. I mean, he's an excellent passer, really has been setting up stuff. Jordan Poole, Andrew Wiggins, Otto Porter, 
all of those shooters guarding every every position. I mean, he's basically playing the five at times for them. Sometimes they start with Kevon Looney, but he eventually ends up in the five in crunch time scenarios and is able to guard Jokic or any other major five. He's able to guard a one or a two as well, just can do everything for them and has really created this, you know, culture of people who love defense on that team, which for a while I felt like we weren't going to get out of some of these players like Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole, but they seem to really have bought into that too. So credit to Draymond Green for the way he's been able to, you know, extend his career. I feel like offensively I've been doubting how long he's been able to stick around, but he's been able to do everything else really well. So he's number four for me. So I have him at number three. um, And it's for the exact reasons you said that he is better than Sabonis. I mean, I think he's a better playmaker and I think he's a top three defender in the NBA. I think that's the, that's probably the more that probably deciding factor when it comes to the difference between these two guys. Um, You know, you, I talked about earlier with Marcus Smart, you need a guy like Marcus Smart to win a championship team. That's why the Warriors won as many champ. I mean, Draymond Green is a big reason why the Warriors won as many championships as they have uh, in the 2010s. I'm not saying it's the main reason because there were three guys who are better than him on those teams when it comes to Steph Clay and KD. Um, but I still think what he brought to the, those teams is great. Uh, you're right. Uh, he has taken a drop off when it comes to shooting. However, he know he is a smarter player and knows when to shoot them rather than to hack it up no matter what, when he's wide open. Uh, he knows the perfect timing. He knows when it's, and he's a, I think he's one of the smartest players in the NBA when it comes to that kind of stuff. He does have his moments where I love how much energy he has, but it definitely annoys me a lot. Um, some, and it rubs people the wrong way. Um, with how what energy he does have uh, to the game, um, but like I like you said, I mean he's been the second best player, if not the it, maybe the third best player on the Warriors team, just with how how um, important he is to them this year. Um, so I'm excited to see when it's him, Steph, and Clay who comes back tonight on January 9th, finally to see them all on the court together and seeing how that all works. Uh, but I think Draymond's number three, and I I love what he brings to the Warriors, and trust me, I wish. We the Celtics had the, the, a vocal leader like uh, Draymond Green. Yeah, they could really use Draymond Green. I think he'd be, I mean, the the piece that solves a lot of puzzles for oh my god, yeah, every single team, including the Celtics. <laughs> yeah. Um, totally. I have Sabonis at three. I mean, he shoots thirty two percent from three. Like he's not that bad of a shooter, Mitch. But how but many threes does he shoot, Aaron? How many threes does he shoot? Two and a half a game. Oh, well, that's a lot more than I actually thought it was. But also, look at the free throw percentage. What is it? It's not great, I, if I remember correctly. <laughs> um, hold on. I have it up here. Just give us a second, ladies and gentlemen. We are going to stall for the longest of minutes because I can't remember on my own freaking... F- 74.3%. Okay, it's a lot better than I thought it was. But my point being is this. I, that it, it, you, you're right. What was, sorry, what was his three-point percentage? I, uh, 32.3. That's not great, Aaron. I don't know, but that's, I mean, that's not it's great. not great in today's era of guard insane shooters who have grown up shooting 300 threes a game, but this dude's a seven footer who came into league, not shooting threes. Right. And now he's hitting at 32%. I think that's pretty good. Um, but I mean, that's just an aspect of his game. I mean, he does everything else really well. He's so skilled. Um, arguably, I think the second best skilled big man, true big man to Jokic. Um, he does a lot of similar things that Jokic does in terms of passing and rebounding. Um, I really like him and am really excited to see where he goes next, hoping he gets out of Indiana because 
Rick Carlisle and the coaches before him have really not figured out how valuable he is and how to use him. So I'm excited to see him go somewhere where he's really valued. I've been hearing Warriors talk and I hate that. And that bothers the bejesus out of me. Although I feel like he'd yeah. be like super perfect for them. But um, I, I like Sabonis a lot. He's, he is, if only NBA League Pass could figure their stuff out. So that way I could watch a stinking Pacers game and not have to drive to Indianapolis for it. That'd be great. Um, so you're telling me the Warriors could have the third and fourth best power forwards by our rankings and all-star starter Andrew Wiggins and all-star <laughs> starter Stephen Curry by Mitchell Sells prediction. And they're getting Clay Thompson back. I mean, holy cow, Mitch, you might, you might have to like go sell your soul or something to go watch this team play every single game. I would you, hate you that. Love these, you love these people. Uh, the, 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 the trade talk I've heard was like the trade options you would think of, or like you'd have to trade Wiseman and um a bunch of like two or three draft picks as well as like a, right and as well as like a big contract which would be totally totally worth it totally why not i mean draymond can play the four and he can play the five and space the floor and is an incredible passer and great rebounder and then they don't get exposed by the suns and eight in the playoffs because they can actually have a good rebounder who you can't uh you know completely hide on the offensive end of the floor like kevin looney no, I think I, I think it's worth it for them, but oh, I mean, completely great. I think the James only issue would be the luxury tax. Yeah, and James Wiseman could also be really good, and they could not have to do anything. So right, so that's knows? another thing. We don't know so how we, good James Wiseman could be, right? Because he's been hurt so many times. It's been great. Um, so we come down to our final two, and you know, it's a, it's 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 fair. It's KD and and Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, it just depends on what order everyone, me and Aaron have it in. Uh, for me. Uh, my number one, just skipping to number one, is Giannis. Um, I feel that me and you are on the same page on that. Giannis is uh, currently the best player in the NBA. Um, he's the best two-way player in the NBA. There's He's an unstoppable force when it comes to driving. It is very Shaq-esque uh, whenever he drives the rim and he gets fouled. Of course, it's it's he's finally getting the star treatment of, like, no matter what, if he gets touched, he's getting a foul call, which makes sense. I mean, any sort of – difference in a body's in a player's getting hit it should always be called a foul um but he is the uns, most unstoppable driver in the nba there are only i there is no one he is reminding me of lebron early heat no one can stand in front of him kind of like moments and it bothers me because i don't want to hate Giannis Antetokounmpo, but it's getting there because he is he's just way too good um but i respect of how good he is i love how much his game has grown um, this is not a slight on KD, who to me is the best scorer of all time, um, and is the best. I mean, in every facet, I feel like you know whether it's inside, mid range, or three point range. I mean, I can always count on KD to score at any time I want him to. The difference between the two is defense. Um, Giannis has won two Defensive Player of the Year or a uh, Defensive Player of the Year, and has won two MVPs, and uh, has been shown to be just a great playmaker. Um, and he's won a title and he's led a team to a title. Didn't have, and not saying KD didn't, didn't have to create a super team to do it, but I'm saying Giannis had the incredible opportunity to do it with Milwaukee. Um, I think Giannis deserve is deserving of the number one spot as power forward and as number one player in the NBA currently. I completely agree. I also wrote down that the difference for me is defense. I mean, KD's actually an underrated defender. Right. Um, he's just can't, can't do as much just as a little bit slider of frame. And that affects some things. Um, I mean, Kevin Durant's having one of the most efficient scoring seasons of all time. It's insane how right. 
just every time he shoots the ball, you just assume it's going in. You can take it for granted, which we shouldn't, we shouldn't do. Um, he's just been so good and we're glad to see he's finally healthy. Um, on the Giannis front, just had to throw this in. I get so frustrated watching him pull up with 20 seconds on the shot clock from three right. point in transition, not doing anything else and bricking. It happens like at least two times a game, maybe more than that. And when you look at the playoffs from last year, after the first round, when they slept, swept the heat, they didn't really have to worry about anything in that series too. They just completely dominated. So Giannis probably did that a few times in that series. But as soon as they started playing the Nets and the Hawks and the Suns, he stopped doing that completely. Right. And part of that is just preserving your body. Like it is so hard, I'm sure, for him to drive to the rack every single time with the force he does and get hit by two, three, four people every single time and dunk the ball. <laughs> like, right. <laughs> I'm sure that's just so difficult on your body. Obviously, I have no understanding of that. So as a, as a 5'10 man, I, I, I yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I understand why he does it. It just like you don't have to shoot it. Can't you just like pass and find somebody else or. 20 seconds left on the shot clock. Why don't you use them and maybe try to right. give it to uh, make it's a play for like, someone? I'm across half court and I'm Steph Curry and I'm going to pull it from three when I'm barely, or I'm actually under 30% from three point land, like right. completely boggles my mind. It happens four times a game. I mean, he's such a good player and does everything so well where it's Mike Budenholzer probably doesn't need to, or probably doesn't feel like he needs to tell him to stop, No, but I'd be shocked. Like somebody has got to tell him at some point that it's at least his teammates. Like, bro, why do you keep shooting? from 25 footers with 20 seconds on the shot clock. It is yeah. so mind boggling to me. And I know it won't be relevant come the second round of the playoffs, but it is really frustrating watching the bucks and just, that was a waste of possession. Thanks. Giannis. No, yeah. Appreciate it. No, I agree. And that's there. There have been moments like that this year. It's I, but I do think it's fewer and far between than they were in the past few years. I feel like he, yeah. I feel like there have been less of those moments. It's maybe once a game rather than last year. It was like once a quarter. And so I, but I do agree with you. I feel like, you know, if he, he, it's also just incredible just how well he's grown just every year. It's ridiculous. So, yeah. Um, but what was crazy was we had the same top six. We had a differing order between four and five, well, four through, sorry, five through three, but we had the same one and two. Um, this is also just one of those positions where it is it has a lack of depth, but that lack of depth breeds opportunity for other guys to just hop in there uh, from seven to 10, apparently. So it was, I, I love making this list. Yeah. And I'm just glad Jaron Jackson Jr. Wasn't on either one of our lists. Boy, thank goodness. <laughs> he didn't make it over. Who was your number nine again? Uh, John Collins. Yeah. Oh no, sorry. Uh, Aaron Gordon or it was definitely Al just Aaron Horford. Gordon. Al Horford, yeah. Jaron Jackson <laughs> might deserve it over Al, Al Horford. My Lord. I don't know. I think the value that Al Horford brings is really immeasurable compared to what – Immeasurable. Compared to what Jaron Jackson does, hoisting up nine threes a game and only getting four rebounds a game when you're seven foot tall. Well, before we get Aaron more on another, op, so another rant about Jaron Jackson, we're going to be right back. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come right back with some cereal and brews. We are back with some cereal and brews. Aaron and I are catching up after uh, a COVID-infested week uh, between uh, me and Aaron. Um, been very boring, but still on the other side of it, it's been great. Uh, Aaron, we kind of led off with it at the beginning of the episode, but you know how we feel and how we doing. 
Feeling better, finally, on the recovery, as you said. Um, it is cereal and brews time, so I brought out the brew. It sounds like you're still recovering, so respect that. Definitely right. definitely tried to get the train back going on Thursday when I was not back to 100%, but I uh, refrained and now feel good enough to have a little bit of whiskey to end the weekend. So feeling much better and glad, glad you're feeling a little bit better as well. Yeah, for anyone who didn't know, the past, like Thursday and Friday were probably the two worst days of my entire life when it comes to immune system health. Oh my gosh, I was just dead. Um, a lot of stupid things and just, yeah, I, COVID sucks. And I just will say that. And I don't, I don't wish, actually I do wish it upon my worst enemy, but that's it. That's, that's all I wish it upon. Um, but after that, you know, I don't want it to go to anyone else. Um, it just is brutal and I would hate for anyone to have it. Um, and I know I have a little lesser version of it thanks to the vaccine, but still it was just, a brutal time in the, especially when I'm being locked away in my, ba- my, my roommate's basement. So it's just a, it's a great time. Roommates, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was back, I'm vaccinated and boosted as well. And I was, you know, uh, definitely felt relatively sick on Wednesday, more sick than I thought I would feel. Um, still right. never tested positive for COVID. So not a hundred percent sure it was it, but fairly, fairly certain just based on you having it and others. Um, but yeah, definitely something that people should be avoiding and continuing to take precautions on. It sounds like Omicron is obviously, it seems like it's less serious despite us both feeling relatively sick. It, it seems like, you know, this could be the tail end of this thing. Finally, I feel like we've been hoping for that for years, but hopefully, um, we'll <laughs> hopefully. Yeah. Well, with my time off uh, from work, I had the opportunity to watch way too many movies um the harry potter reunion came out last week and so uh with that i decided you know what why not i watch all eight movies slash two other movies that are the fantastic beasts and so that was i was talking to my brother we just took a break for dinner and i was talking to my brother aaron i want you to guess how many movies we are nine days into 2022 how many movies do you think i've watched so far eight 22 21 what Aaron I've watched 21 movies since more than two a day Mitchell Aaron I literally watched three Harry Potter movies on Friday (laughs) I was dead I I was so dead and so yeah like Tuesday I took off work because I wasn't feeling good I tested negative that day I think I watched like two Harry Potter movies that day um yeah I've watched all eight Harry Potters the two Fantastic Beast movies uh, a few Star Wars, a few uh, new, uh, a few Ben Affleck movies. Um, I watched Seven for the first time, which was crazy and creepy. And I, I think everyone should watch it once, and that's it. Um, it's good. Um, but I have been watching way too many movies, and I feel like I'll add a twenty-second one by the end of the night. Well, I did suggest one, Mitch, um, that Madison and I just watched, and we have also been watching some movies recently not nearly close to 21 in nine days but you know if anyone can do it it's Mitchell Sell I remember when we lived together our sophomore year of college Mitch once watched the entire Game of Thrones up to that point which was seven seasons six seasons six seasons in like what a month oh I thought it was shorter than that I was gonna say like three weeks yeah yeah three weeks so that's like 60 plus hours of tv in three weeks dude if I do not know how you do it 
if I'm hooked to something, I'm hooked. Honestly, I mean, if anyone knows me from college, honestly, my fan, my franchise of Texas football, I spent way too many days on that thing. I mean, I don't remember the amount of hours we took. Me, uh, good friend Nate Jelnick, totaled it up at one point, but. I mean, there were hundreds of hours devoted towards uh, NCA 14. And so whenever NCA 23 comes out, I pray for whoever's like, if I have a significant other at the time, I pray for whoever that is. And I hope they understand that it'll be, it'll be a long time before they hear from me. Again. Add that to the Mitchell cell, most eligible bachelor PSA uh, <laughs> warning by 2023. If you are living with Mitchell cell, <laughs> here's the college football theme song. Every time you enter the room. <laughs> Followed by a hey hey. <laughs> every time, no. every time Logan and Nate talked about Cone Home, it was always a hey hey for Mitch and hearing the college football music in the background. <laughs> it was just hilarious. No one's shocked by that in any way possible. <laughs> now, I, and now the worst part about it is I have like a second screen going too, so that way I'm like watching something while I play because I can't have one screen going at once because you know that makes no sense, right? <laughs> no, yeah, definitely, definitely can't have multiple things going on uh we are not the most patient people anymore and speaking of patience um madison and i or i bought madison one of her christmas presents was this movie poster that has like 100 of the most iconic movies of all time right and so we've been randomly picking one and selecting it and starting to tick through the list and the first one we picked was 2001 a space odyssey directed by stanley kubrick and we're deciding to rate all of these movies you know, just to sort of stack it up. Right. I saw that you released like your ear and review movie stuff, which is cool. So we're going to go through this list and rate each of them on a scale of one to 10. This movie received a 0.3 out of 10. <laughs> oh my combined, God. Hold on. Combined <laughs> score. That was the average between Madison and I. So what was it like a 0.1 it, and a 0.5? She gave it a zero <laughs> and I gave it a one and I was like, all right, let's do half. And she's like, no, it has to be less than that. So it ended up being a 0.3. <laughs> it was, I, I want you to watch this movie and tell me what you think. It is the, I have a feeling with your busyness and lack of patience, you're going to have trouble watching this movie, but I'm excited and you have to stick out the whole thing. I'm not, oh, can't be one of those movies like where I watch no. 15 minutes and quit. <laughs> no, you can't. This is the Aaron Carter principle. You must watch the entire movie regardless of how bad it is. Some cost fallacy does not apply. You have to give your all to this movie and it's two and a half hours. You're never going to get back, but I want to hear what your thoughts are. Oh God. All right. I'll, I'll have it ready for you next week and next pod, but uh, Lord. Well, yeah. So then you told me this off air. So I went and talked to my parents about this and they're like, Holy crap. That's in the top 100. I was like, apparently they're like, how? So I, you're not the only one, so I will. I'll figure that out. Apparently, the acting I heard was already dog crap, so that already puts me in the right mood for this movie. I mean, there might have been like twenty lines of dialogue in the entire movie. Oh my gosh, are you serious, <laughs> dude? <laughs> you have to watch the first fifteen minutes tonight. And let me know what you think. Oh <laughs> it's Lord, like, what do we? Did you ever see uh, Dunkirk? Yeah, great movie. <laughs> great movie but it also has like 18 lines of like yeah. dialogue in it and that also like semi bothered me great fantastic film great cinematography but my lord that also like bothers me when there's nothing like no interaction just in like in life <laughs> it's also different though because there are like bombs going off every which That's way fair. like at least there's stuff happening and it's loud and exciting 
like I totally get you on the lack of human interaction and that's a critical part of like actually being able to you know uh sympathize with whoever like, you're watching right this movie doesn't even try to get you there so oh <laughs> I'm just I'm just excited to hear your thoughts on this all right well I will let you and the viewers know uh, next week when we have our next episode come out. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode, guys. We really appreciate it. Uh, you can, if you want to stay up to date with any of our new episodes uh, or any bets we have, uh, we post those on our Twitter account at Hooper's Almanac. Uh, if you aren't following us on Spotify, I don't know what you're doing because honestly, if you aren't following us, I'm very shocked and you're still listening to us at this point. Uh, please feel free to hit that bell up in the top right corner so that way you can find out whenever there is a new episode coming out um uh if you want to reach out to us we are at dupers.almanac at gmail.com we'd love to hear from you if you have any thoughts or anything like that um and we we always appreciate you guys listening to it we love you guys um and have a great rest of your week and i uh, hope the celtics make a trade